0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I love how you both just start waving as soon as I say hello. You're like my little puppets. I love it. I've got my little yep. strings. Um, but <laughs> welcome to the WTF1 podcast. Of course, we have the two waving puppets of Tom Belling and the WTF1 founder and Katie Fairman, the WTF1 editor. I haven't come up with anything funny this week. Just going to just dive straight into it. So this podcast is all going to be about what's happened since Bahrain and the three-week stratosphere that we're currently in sort of just floating in space waiting for the next race and it's it feels like a, a mini off season again you know we, we usually get three week breaks for the summer don't we in, the, in that middle sort of spa period but um instead we're, we're having it after the first round after all the hype it's gonna feel like round one again isn't it when we get to Imola
1: so annoying like
0: you say we've had
1: I've never known such a big break because I think the the summer break now is only about three weeks but to have this after one race, especially after the race we had in Bahrain where it's looking like it's going to be one of the most exciting seasons in forever. And then it's just like...
0: But it's only one race, Tommy. Goodbye. It's only one race.
1: I know. But, I mean, come on, a 23-race calendar and you you have three weeks after the first race. We, we could have at least, you know, gone to Bahrain Outer again. and
0: Absolutely.
2: You're saying you want 24 races on the calendar, yeah, 23 20 really
0: count if they stay there, right? It's
2: fine, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay, yeah. No, it feels like the longest time ever. Um, sometimes it feels like it's longer than the whole off season has been because, like you said, we had that first race, everybody was so excited and so hyped about it, and then we've got this forever time period to wait for the next race. But I'm hoping Imola is worth it, fingers crossed. But um, who knows,
0: yeah. you jinxed right. it now, Katie. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we're not. I don't think many of our expectations are sort of in the clouds after last year's race, where, of course, we had that interesting battle with Hamilton doing the uh, different strategy to Bottas and Bottas picking up that damage. And, of course, Verstappen crashing out when he had a tyre failure, I think it was. Um, so apart from that, it wasn't particularly great, but who relies on a safety car, doesn't it? I think it does, It, it it really does, and it's possible because it's a very difficult. Uh, difficult track, very narrow, and that's the reason for for overtaking being so difficult. Uh, at J Man's ninety one, we're going to dive straight in with some questions. Of course, there's no three word race review or three word preview or anything like that. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, how disappointed are you that it's not raw cheek or race week? Of course, raw seek or raw cheek, whatever you want to call it. Never had good raw cheek yet. Raw cheek. Um, how di- how disappointed? Of course, ten solid. I mean, as Tommy just said, you know, we we've come off the back of the, one of the best first races for, for a very long time and we're having to to wait and three weeks just feels like an eternity when you've just had that that appetite whetted even more by the first race and then you're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting i'm assuming it's 10s all around guys 11s no, no more than wow. 10 actually technically, so, yeah 10 i <laughs> totally, I'm bring out the twitter
1: yeah. voice today yeah Yeah, 10 10 out of 10 but it's just it's just annoying like at least we've got a few bits to talk about i guess that's such a great intro to this podcast isn't it there are
0: things there are stay tuned shut it there are things to talk about katie (laughs)
2: Yeah, F1 teams have sprinkled over some little news bites that we can talk about in between the break. Um, But I'm sure that we're all probably going to be wishing, well, us as the WTF1 team, that we had a bit of a break when we get to like all these triple headers and stuff that are coming up on the calendar. I'm sure we'll all be thinking back and wishing, oh, I wish I had a little tiny little bit of a break, but I'm sure fans are just Want race after race after race a race every weekend. Our
0: tiny violins. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know we have to work on Formula One. Um, Oh, right. So so the the first bit of news, uh, and probably the biggest news, is uh, Nico Hulkenberg confirmed as the uh, Aston Martin reserve driver. So Nico is still hovering around the Formula One paddock, hopefully hoping for some kind of miracle drive. How old is he now? He must be at mid thirties, is he?
1: put me on the spot there Different yeah one. probably mid-30s yeah, around that probably you can look up tommy age, whilst yeah. i'm
0: talking um but yeah of course i mean you know it's, it's a weird sort of curve in terms of Nico hulkenberg's career and i saw someone tweet me it was probably in an agra- aggressive manner but still i'm gonna kind of uh, touch on it is that people weren't really hyping him when he was actually in formula one but as soon as he's left formula yeah. one, Oh my like, god he's only only 25 what he's 33 <laughs>
2: i was gonna say was gonna he's say, not 25 it's a,
0: what? he's done a reverse tommy what yeah he started
2: in f1 when he was 12 years old or
0: something. yeah <laughs> no nice. i can't believe i actually 30, fell for that 33 so, so he's got time he's got time if he gets to formula one again maybe by next year but mm. um but it is interesting oh wow it is interesting how um we you know as you know a few twitter comments have said about there hasn't been really much hype about Nico when he was racing for Renault. And to be fair, a lot of people, you know, were saying that he deserves a podium, this, that and the other. But a lot of people were also saying that he was overrated and that the reason he didn't get podiums was because he never, he didn't have the minerals. You know, he could have easily won in Brazil or, you know, when he was fighting Hamilton that time or at least got a podium but crashed uh, into Lewis instead. So, you know, there were so many opportunities for Nico to get a podium and because he's like this amazing comeback story, everyone's kind of jumped on that bandwagon, including us in some ways uh, that, you know, Nico just, oh, can he get back? Can he get a podium on his first COVID sitting and all that stuff? It's a weird, weird way of turning it around. Is it because we feel sorry for him? I feel like there's a lot of pity there where we're like, come on, just get one podium so you can just rest easy.
1: Yeah, exactly. Kind of in a sad way for someone that is a very successful driver and has won in everything. Won yeah, won Le Mans. He won A1 GPs, won GP2. He won everything else that he's raced in. And then this kind of no podium thing has just kind of almost defined his whole career. Um, and I think everyone was so hyped because he returned to a racing point that was really good. And then when he banged it in P3 or something at Silverstone, it was like, oh my God, it could happen. And then the the Hulk train like hype train started didn't it again um yeah i mean he's a fantastic driver like you say he's had you can't say that he's not had his chances um but it's a reserve drive so it's not it's not like he's going to be racing it all it all depends what happens
2: yeah i mean with racing point last year they were sort of an exception to the rule because like apart from obviously Hamilton having COVID racing point was the only team on the grid where, I mean, both of their drivers were taken ill with COVID hence why Hulkenberg was needed. Um, But obviously as much as we'd like Nico to make it back into F1 and to get more opportunities, you know, we don't want to put any um, bad wishes on, on Lance being ill again or Seb. So it's an interesting one. I think people are right in saying that the Hulkenberg hype train, yes, it's a good fun story to to jump onto but he had a long career in Formula One and he was in cars that could have earned him podium places um and you know when he was teammates to Checo whatever Checo was able to get to that podium step but it's unfortunate that he's now got this sort of uh no podium Hulkenberg like overshadowing his entire F1 career because like you say away from F1 he's hugely successful racing driver and he's proved himself to be brilliant when he jumped into that racing point last year with such short notice um and to put it with such a good result so I'm kind of like on two sides of the story yes it would be really cool to see Hulkenberg back and I think everybody loves that underdog story but then he's had a whole career to try and get that podium place and he's not done it so I don't know whatever team you want to be on
1: I never really thought about this, but obviously he did three races, was it, last year? Um, But the first year... He he entered
2: three and started two.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, (laughs) But three, yeah, three kind of weekends. But in terms of him not having a full-time drive for the first time since, what, about 2010, maybe, um, is the year where about thir- was it 13 different drivers got a podium last year because of Ferrari kind of dropping back it must have been like oh the year i leave is the year where everyone gets a podium and <laughs> midfield teams are like were popping on the podium pretty much every race so yeah not not the best timing
0: not at all Uh question at mx Cantish. i think tommy kind of answered this with his little now uh, is there any chance for nico hülkenberg to get a full time <laughs> cockpit It'll drive in 2022 I mean, who knows? I don't really know, to be honest. It depends if he gets another opportunity and is able to to shine again. I feel like he's one of those drivers that, you know, people or dri- uh, sorry teams can rely on in the midfield team. I don't think he'll ever get a front-running drive because, as we've already mentioned, he's had the opportunity to shine and hasn't. Uh, because he, he just felt like a driver that can e- could easily finish seventh a lot, you know, the best of the rest in terms of after Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes. But as soon as it got to crunch time, where a few Mercedes or whatever, some of the front-running teams have uh, have messed up. That's when it just never really came to fruition. So, for me, no, I don't. I don't think Nika will get a full-time driver again, personally. I me mean, either. It's
1: hard to it's hard to place him. It's hard to know where he could go. Like you say, he's thirty-three, which is ancient in Formula One terms, isn't it? Let's be honest. Especially with drivers coming in now, age like eighteen, nineteen is as the kind of age that you come in. And we, we see people's careers finished by the time they're like 25, 26 now in Formula One. So he's one of those drivers where I just can't, I can't see where he would go. He Like you say, he's a great super sub because he's a very reliable, good driver that's going to score solid points. And clearly he's proved that at very short notice he can deliver a great result. However... All these all these teams and their driver programs, you kind of set, you know, when Hamilton goes, you think, Well, George Russell's going, blah, blah, blah. You know, Ferrari have got their plan with Mick Schumacher. Like there doesn't seem like there's any room for Holkenberg.
0: And he's not gonna take a a Williams drive or a Haas drive or whatever because he doesn't want that he's already he already declined in the Williams drive from what I remember or going into one of the back. I think so uh, yeah one of the back teams uh, because they couldn't pay enough so there's clearly a, you know Nico values himself at least a midfield drive and yeah it doesn't seem like he's going to get it
2: I'm surprised actually when he left Renault at the end of 2019 that either Renault didn't retain him as some sort of development driver for 2020. It seemed like maybe he just didn't want to take on a role. Maybe he thought that was quite an offensive offer because it wasn't a full-time race seat, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like you say, he's such a safe pair of hands that you'd think, and he's so experienced as well in Formula One that you'd want to have him sort of on your side. But I'm not sure what his plans are. I don't think he'll get a full-time cockpit drive in 2022, like Tommy touched upon. There are so many young juniors that are coming through, even like on the 2021 grid. People like um, Callum Eilot and and obviously Alex Albin is on the grid this year. Um, Both drivers who have got a lot of hype and a lot of attention around them that I think would probably be uh, a sensible and probably a cheaper choice for a team in 2022. So unfortunately, I don't think Hulkenberg's going to be going to be back full time um but i mean we say this and literally six months ago we were all talking about possibly a hulkenberg red bull seat so i don't know
0: (laughs) we will see um james b020186 asks is hulkenberg a reserve or rather a replacement should seb's run of bad races continue uh no i can't (laughs) see that at all I think that if Vettel has 23 bad races, he will have 23 bad races. He's a four-time world champion. I think that he would literally have to keep crashing on, you know, keep crashing into people on lap one uh, for a team to make such a drastic action as that. You know, they've got Seb on for a reason. They've paid big money probably for Seb as well. And uh, there's no way in my head, if Seb has poor races, that they'll even think about replacing him personally. Yeah,
1: I bet bet Vettel, like us, is probably... Hating this three week break as well because it leaves that kind of bad first race to linger for quite a while um because at the end of the day it's one race He might if he has a solid weekend it's all kind of forgotten you're only as good as your last race in
0: formula one it seems a lot of the time um it must take a his... toll mentally though yeah you know, for seb mm. because you know he's come off the back of ferrari which was really difficult for him on that last in that last season Uh, you know, comprehensively beaten by Leclerc. And then you come into this, you know, I don't, he doesn't really pay attention to the media, but for his own personal self, you know, it's a fresh start. How everyone else is seeing as well. Fresh start, Seb, four-time champ, you know, it's going to be a a new adventure for him. And I, and I would love to see him thrive. But at the same time, I always thought, and I said, didn't I, at the end of last season, that I don't think Seb will come out the blocks firing and he hasn't. And as you say, it is only one race, but at the same time, if he if he was a a fresh revitalised Vettel, he wouldn't have had that performance. Personally,
1: yeah, but we I mean, we shall see. But I I agree with you. Where I would be amazed, even if he had an absolute shocker, if they bothered to replace him, because like you say they've paid big money. He's probably extremely experienced as well, so uh, does a lot for car development and can help bring Aston to the front. And uh, whether that's him being at the front or Lance Stroll being at the front, um, but I know which no the doubt. team would prefer. Well, they, <laughs> well, Lawrence Stroll, yeah, getting a four-time world champion in that his son, uh, say say his son beats and Seb develops a really great car for him. That's a bit of a win win, isn't it?
2: I think you said on the podcast last year, Tommy, actually, that by getting Seb in, it's going to be good either way for Lance Stroll because if he beats Seb, he's beaten a four-time world champion. But if he doesn't, then, you know, Seb is a four-time world champion and it's going to take time. So it's kind of a win-win for, for Lance Stroll. But, yeah, I don't think that Hulkenberg will be replacing Seb. Like we said, uh, Aston Martin I've paid a lot of money for him, done a multi-year contract. Um, and we've also got to remember, although Seb's had, you know, a couple of shocking races, like, just be blunt with it, they've not been ideal, um, he is a driver that's more than just somebody who gets in the car on a weekend and drives the car around in circles. Like you say, he helps with that development. You know, we've got uh, a T-shirt on the WTF1 store, nice little plug, but taking the Mickey saying, you know, that he does strategy kind of calls and he's a mechanic and he's this and he's that. And that's one of the reasons why he, was helped to become that four-time world champion yes he had a, a really good car beneath him with the red bull but he's got those minerals as, as matt keeps saying with certain drivers that means he's able to become that world champion just like somebody that like max has or hamilton has so i i think although seb's having a, a tough time of it um he's not then he, they're not going to give him the heave ho she says <laughs>
0: Time will tell, won't it? And uh, of course, you know, Seb did have some bad fortune uh, in terms of qualifying and whatnot. And he was put in a bad position. It still wasn't a strong race performance, in my opinion. And again, the strategy wasn't great. And he was kind of left out there on a one stop. But it still just wasn't really the Seb that we we know uh, and have seen, especially at Red Bull. Uh, so we we'll, we will see uh, let's uh, let's just let's not make too many judgments but i know we I, you know, I love making judgments from from one race but uh, we'll, we'll leave it a few more before we uh, we stamp the the seal of disapproval on zeb we interrupt this wtf on podcast for a very quick chat about our sponsor for this episode manscaped The flowers are blooming, the grass is growing and it's time to mow your lawn. Thanks to our sponsor Manscaped, you can trim the hedges below the belt safely and efficiently. I'm talking about ball trimmers. Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below the waist grooming, have an exclusive offer for you, the audience. Use the code WTF1 to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the other 2 million men who trust Manscaped. They are here to make sure your balls are smooth and smelling nice. After all, it's time for some spring cleaning. Manscaped obsesses over technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience and they only use the best ingredients in their formulations. On top of all the amazing accessories you get with Manscaped, they've also thrown in two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Your comfort is going to be next level all over. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WTF1 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code WTF1 at manscaped.com. It's spring cleaning, baby, and your balls will thank you. Right, let's get back to the podcast. L- Latif F1 the goat. I'm sure that's Latifi the goat. That's quite good. Uh, is Vettel in serious danger of getting a race ban due to his high number of penalty points? Yes, I think so. I think that. I i mean, I wonder if there's a loophole in the book where you know, twelve points, and you know, they, Lawrence Stroll just comes in with a massive briefcase and goes, "Come on, lads, let's you know, three more points." What are we saying? Uh, because yeah, f- was it five penalty points from one race, and we've got twenty-two to go, and he can't get seven more penalty points. That is a that's big yikes. Sometime,
1: yeah, I'm.
0: going to age very badly, and everyone will clip this
1: when it when it happens. But I still think the FIA will be lenient on this, and I feel like even if a driver ever gets twelve points, they will back down and not do it. You know, Hamilton was was it ten that Hamilton was on after yeah. Russia. Uh, And everyone was like, oh, two more, and he could get banned. And then everyone was like, well, it's ridiculous because it's too over the top. And even if Vettel gets 10 and then makes a minor mistake that gets him two penalty points, for some reason, I feel like the FIA will just kind of change their mind. Yeah, like change their mind. Because imagine the uproar if Sebastian Vettel, like, say, four-time world champion, gets banned, obviously there's the other stuff but the thing that tipped him over the edge was like speeding in the pit lane or something absolutely <laughs> ridiculous and you're like you're banning a four time world champion from a formula 1 race because he sped in the pit lane uh i just can't see the faa doing it i feel like they'll always start to have these like little changes where they go oh actually yeah okay maybe not we'll we'll, we'll minus a few off off it's just it's just like a a warning it's difficult though isn't
0: it because you know where do you draw the line? Okay, Seb's a four-time world champ, but if Yuki Sonoda starts crashing into people, what you know? What what do you do? You know, so it's it's it is a difficult but, thing. But we've
1: is. seen the FIA do that before, because in my opinion, like you know, you've seen absolutely horrendous behaviour, and then Grosjean got a race ban for his crash at Spa, and it was kind of like, oh, he's a rookie, and he's a you know, like you say crash kid or whatever that they they're no, not crash kid uh was it first lap nutcase that Weber nicknamed him or whatever and he's one of those that they, they banned him but i know they haven't crashed quite as dramatically but you kind of feel like if it was an Alonso or uh hamilton they might have been like oh well it's just it's just a big mistake but yeah I think exactly. you're right i think i think they would i think they would um you know, we've seen it in the midfield. You, we've seen Ocon, to go back to it, overtaking Sonoda exactly where Max did pretty much. Um, and they just didn't notice because it's the midfield. And it does seem sometimes that there are rules for the top and rules for the midfield.
2: I think all us F-fans, F1 fans, F fans just want some consistency fans, <laughs> <laughs> F1 fans just want some consistency. But you talk about like bending the rule slightly. So yeah, after Russia, Hamilton was on 10 penalty points out of 12, but then just hours after the race, the FIA took back the two penalty points. So he did remain on eight. Um, so yeah, we have seen it where things have, I mean, with every single um, thing given by the FIA, like a penalty, the teams and the drivers can challenge that and, you know, say that actually we've got evidence for this and this and this, and you should take it back. So um, they've obviously challenged that, but it's it's a strange one because since the penalty point system was introduced in Formula One, because um, Tommy mentioned the Grosjean crash there, that happened pre-penalty points. So that was just a case of dangerous driving, here's a race ban. But yeah, it's it's a strange one. I I, I wasn't sure that anybody would ever get to those 12 points to get themselves a race ban, let alone a, a four-time world champion or Hamilton even getting close to it. So it's it's going to be a common talking point and we're going to have to watch Seb very closely and he's going to have to be on his very best behaviour. But I mean, look at 2020. Seb got no penalty points throughout the whole season. So it's not like he's just going out there and causing all of this bad driving. Like last year, his penalty points licence was completely clean. So it's maybe it was just a case of a bad, bad weekend. And like you say, he he wants to come into Imola and just have that fresh start and start behaving himself
0: yeah it's going to be it'll be interesting if he does get to those penalty points what happens because of course you know Hamilton with the you know the the starts at Russia you know you cannot you can see how they could potentially argue that but if Vettel has a couple more crashes how do you argue that if it's his fault you know especially if it's Mm -hmm. you know things like literally ducking into Ocon's slipstream and losing the brakes and just crashing into it which was very sort of clumsy wasn't it for him anyway let's not bash Vettel too much let's move on uh to another subject which uh is around the changes to Albert Park now that was announced on April Fool's Day which was a very um strange <laughs> time to do that because a yeah. lot of people thought it was a joke uh, but it's not and essentially if you want to know what they've done they've essentially tried to make it better and they've tried to make it a bit more fast flowing and so you've got a, a sort of widening of corners, uh, very sort of, well, small widening of corners, for example, into turns one and two. Um, I'll, I'll zoom that in so I can actually read it. Yeah, so you've got a widening of the corner by two 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 and a half metres uh, in turns one and two. Uh, widening of corner uh, between t- turns three and four, four metres. Widening of corner by 7.5 metres at six uh, six and seven. But the, the big one is uh, the removal of the existing chicane between turns nine and ten. So that chicane, which kind of broke up a lot of the, the momentum coming out of the, the previous sort of six and seven complex of, uh, corners. They then just have a, a pretty much a, a straight run through to the fast left, right, which is turns 11 and 12. And then they've also widened uh, the corner entry uh, by three and a half meters down towards 10, 13. So interesting. So they've made it a bit more of a hard breaking zone into 10, 13, when you get a decent run out of the sort of eight all the way down through to 12. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of people will be looking at the images because turn numbers I'm sure are quite confusing but it's uh it, it looks good to be honest there's a question from uh Andy Dives I'm really interested to hear what the three of you think of the changes being made to the Albert Park track good or bad do you guys agree with the changes or would you do them differently uh to be honest I like what they've done you know they're not they're not uprooting the entire thing and changing the entire layout that's not feasible but they've they've done something that a lot of people have already said people should do to certain tracks that have clear issues with them. And turns nine and 10 as a chicane never really brought us great racing. Whereas now with that fast flowing, uh, part of the track, I, I think it's, it's looking pretty good, especially with the hard breaking zone now down towards turn 13, which will make it even more uh, of an overtaking opportunity than, than it was before.
1: Yeah. It, the, the actual circuit itself, if you've ever driven it on the F1 game without rules and you cut all the corners, that's pretty much what the new layout is. I think it said that they're going to take about five seconds off it. Um and oh, I'm not I'm not too sure about this. I really yeah, which is weird because I, I looked at it and was like and I saw like how popu- how popular it was, and a lot of people were like, Yeah, that'll definitely improve it. For me, I don't really understand why getting rid of breaking zones would make. But i know it's difficult to follow between turns and nine turns nine and 10 but how i just envision it is they'll follow each other yeah they can follow each other quickly through that chicane uh, the new chicane which kind of straight lines that that old chicane um and then they just get to that quick 11 and 12 where they'll separate out again and then they can't make the move into turn 13 so you almost want to get rid of 11 and 12 as well which I appreci- I can see why they've not done that because it's a really exciting corner, one of Formula One's best from a spectator point of view. The change of direction is incredible, but at the same time, you kind of feel like if they'd just straight-lined that, the cars could follow all the way and then they've got a nice big braking zone. Because the problem is the cars take so long out of a corner to actually get close um, that there's not any long enough straights to catch up. And now the cars are so insanely quick. Um, it's really difficult. And same with kind of turn one and two. Turn three seem to be quite a good um, breaking zone, which they've kind of changed a little bit to make it quicker. Um, turn one and two, they've straight lined a little bit, so I'm hoping that makes it a little bit better for overtaking. But I'm not 100% sure, but one thing that I did find interesting is I wonder how much of these changes are because of the new regulations that are coming in because if you look at the Jeddah circuit it seems like uh this new trend is to make <laughs> make the the tracks as quick as possible and get rid of the chicanes because you know as we know i'm old and when i was watching formula one it was all about slowing the cars down putting loads of chicanes on these classic tracks and now it seems like they're getting rid of them almost to uh you know sorry if you've even seen it at imola um australia and then Jeddah as well is a really quick track so i don't know we'll we'll see i guess we'll we'll see how it goes but yeah i'm a little bit different to you i don't i don't feel like it will work but i guess it's
0: worth trying something complete disagreement yeah there's not even a oh fair enough fair enough i mean i appreciate you no i hate you Get out. uh, Sorry, before you go, Katie, the the turn six and seven, I think as well, they've widened the corner there by seven and a half meters. So I think they'll easily get close enough because even six and seven, they've made more of a straight line. So from literally turn five, it looks like it's going to be pretty quick all the way down to turn 11. So there must be an opportunity there for overtaking. If not, maybe, then, maybe
1: it's DRS. Maybe, maybe they're going for DRS
0: passes rather than breaking. Oh, I dunno. They'll be allowed. Yeah, maybe DRS through the, the removal of the chicane all the way down to eleven. Anyway, we will find out. Katie, what do you think?
2: I was going to say, loads of people were commenting and saying my change for the Albert Park circuit would be to move it to Adelaide. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there are lots of people that aren't fans of the Albert Park track. But I think. I'd rather them change it and try it and see if it works than just leave it stagnant and just keep it the same and think there's nothing that we can do differently. But the one thing to consider is that Albert Park is a street circuit. It's just a normal working park, you know, the rest 11 months of the year. So they're going to be quite limited with what they can do. Unfortunately, I don't think they're just going to be able to, like, move the lake or chop down some trees to make way for things. But, yeah, I think it should be... Good. I'm, I'm all game for change. I like change. So we'll have to see how it all turns out. But yeah, just stupid announcing it on April Fool's Day. I know time how time zones work. And that in Australia, it's probably late evening for them when they announced it. But we put like an April Fool's gag article out. And then an hour later, put this out and people were like, haha, I'm not falling for it again. And I was like, no, it's it's genuinely not a joke. Like this is actually happening, please.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, Right, moving on from uh, Albert Park and uh, talking about some more street circuits. James Allen, 1993, not the James Allen, uh, (laughs) has uh, come in with a question. With more and more new circuits being street or city circuits, Baku, Hanoi, Jeddah, do you think we are seeing the end of open, dedicated race circuits? I hope not, in brackets. Seems that new circuits like Zanvor and Portimao got people a lot more excited in 2020. I mean formula one kind of goes where money goes really so however they're created I, I don't think it'll be the end of open circuits to be honest and there will be the classics that will stay on the calendar forever but there will also be ones that just come on board like Jeddah, and they're very different but i don't know i it's a difficult one because as i say it really dictates on, you know where where a circuit wants to go and and all that sort of stuff so i it's a, it's a difficult thing to say. And I, uh, Zandvoort, I don't think Zandvoort really got people going. I think Portimao did. Zandvoort because of the fact, you know, the, the atmosphere would be amazing. But the circuit itself, I don't think got people excited at all because we were all concerned that would we get any overtaking whatsoever apart from maybe into Turn 1. But even then, that's not really a a massive hard-breaking zone. So, yeah, not not sure on that one.
1: Yeah, I hope, I hope not as well. It does seem like this is the way they're going. And, you know, I like... Tracks like Monaco and Singapore because they're special, not because of their like every single one is like it. Like, you'll want variety on the calendar, and it kind of loses the appeal if they're doing it. And the thing is, they're obsessed now with it's the promoters, like you say, they go where money goes. And if you think of these countries, like it looks better for them, you know, we've seen it in Formula which I'm sure Katie will, will go into as a, the formulary expert. Um, but as a as a country bringing Formula One in nowadays, you're kind of bringing it to the main city and there's loads of hype around it and it's kind of like all cool and fancy um, rather than a less glamorous circuit in the middle of nowhere. You know, if if Formula One World Championship was starting today, they'd probably do a race in the middle of London or a city not an airfield in Northamptonshire so it makes sense commercially doesn't it exactly Mm. it makes it makes sense but then from a fan's perspective everyone loves Silverstone and the track is amazing the racing is always brilliant the atmosphere is great because it's always packed out but from a circuit promoter's side they're normally like they want this kind of big city party thing so uh, I do hope because I actually had a look through when I saw this question and yeah, Baku, Hanoi, Jeddah, even Sochi to a point uh, is kind of almost a street track, like built in a purpose-built area. And the fact that Zanvort, Portimao, Imola—they're they're old tracks that have been built ages ago that have come back to the calendar. You're not—you're not getting these tracks anymore. They—they are like, what was the la- most late- the latest one? Would it be like Kota or? KOTA would Abu be Dabi, the I KOTA, I think, is the latest one. Yeah, because yeah. KOTA was twenty eleven, twelve, something like that, twenty ten. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that would be the latest purpose-built circuit. Um, so it is a slight worry that it's becoming a bit of a dying thing.
2: Yeah, I love street circuits, but I also really like all of these traditional racing circuits like we said um Portimao or Silverstone or Spa or wherever um but like Tommy mentioned if we look at where F1 is wanting to go you know think of like a young audience for example that they're trying to appeal to with all of this drive to survive if you are a 15 year old F1 fan and none of your family like F1 how are you going to get yourself? So I live on the South Coast. How would I get myself to Silverstone if I don't drive? I don't have anybody I know that likes it. Whereas I could go up to London, catch the train, get into London, really easily accessible. And so that's kind of what Formula E has done is, although obviously their cars are quieter, which is why it's so appealing and they're electric. So they don't you know burn loads of emissions up um, while they're going around the, the cities that's the kind of thing that they've taken is that, They want to make it accessible. They don't want people getting in their diesel or petrol cars and driving 10 miles out of the city to a racetrack, which is going to just be adding to the emissions. And we all know that Formula One has got the sustainability thing that they want to introduce. Um, But they want to encourage people to get public transport or walk to these city centre locations. And then, like Tommy said, make it this big party atmosphere like we see with racing in Albert Park or, or Monaco. So... It's, it's a shame because I would really love it if we could go to more old school circuits. But then I can also see, like you said, from a commercial point of view, why F1 have got their sort of eyes on the prize with these city centre circuits. But yeah, I hope that we do get some more new good tracks that are sort of in the middle of nowhere. But um, I'm sure Formula One are thinking of many things like the sustainability and accessibility for, for new fans
0: there you have it Katie Fairman, formula e correspondent They're live <laughs> on the ground uh, thank you for that uh, yeah, sustainability Rome, chat there katie it's, it's a good it's a good point uh, okay moving on now to sprint races set to be confirmed soon uh, so we've expected it to be confirmed about a million times, to be honest. The amount of times Tommy said, "We need to do a podcast now before they release something else, and it's going to be irrelevant." And it still hasn't been confirmed yet because there's all kinds of toing and fro-ing going on about what it's going to look like. There's rumors going around about again what it looks like. Uh, Tommy, do you have those rumors to hand, or uh, you know, do do you know much about the, the sprint races? No, you know, have you got any Formula One uh, info people? So the so- sound of it is that
1: they. The teams have finally agreed that it's gonna happen. Uh they're gonna trial it in a few races. I think it was three. Um oh, Katie, can you remember which one they are? Because I'm trying to remember. It's Silverstone.
2: I think they've said into Lagos again, Inter-Largos. but then I don't know if we're gonna be going there. So Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but three, but three races uh where they'll try this sprint format. The teams have finally agreed to it, but now they need money
0: uh to essentially run Formula 1 cars more. Because um, that was because the sticking point, wasn't it? Was the mm. fact that Formula 1, uh, the teams were like, yeah, let's do it. But they also need to be paid by Formula 1 to do these extra races. Exactly, and Formula Racing. 1 aren't exactly printing money at the moment with no fans at races, pretty much. So
1: yeah,
0: I can see where the problems lie. Yeah, but the annoying thing about the sprint race
1: is that it seems like they... Well, they're not going to do reverse grids, which I'm very upset about. Uh so and then even worse, the points system, by the sound of it, are only going to the top three, which to me is basically just another way to give Hamilton, Bottas, and Verstappen some extra points on a race weekend. The points and only go to the top three. So you get three points for winning, two points for second and
0: one and, point for third. And qualifying is just normal. So Yeah, on the Friday. So what is the point in these sprint races? <laughs> to, <laughs>
2: And, And that's the
0: thing. If we go to Interlagos
1: and we've got this incredible spicy battle between Hamilton and, uh, Hamilton and Verstappen going to the last race and Hamilton wins the title by getting three points on a sprint race. And then we have to go into Sunday. It would kind of ruin it a bit. So it just seems really, it seems a classic Formula One thing where they've tried to introduce something and then they've gone back and forth and then it's kind of, mellowed out from a really awesome and crazy idea and they've tried kind of backtracked um because people don't want reverse grids and people don't want this and that and instead you say people looks... don't want
0: reverse grids Mercedes don't want yeah. reverse grids
1: and now probably Red Bull <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um yeah it's very odd I can't uh, the, the, the thing that shame. I've read about the three points is very strange
2: Mm. It's massively like a kick in the nuts, I think, because not that I have any, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> just clarify that
0: metaphorical nuts.
2: Metaphorical.
1: It's a kick but, in my metaphorical nuts.
2: Yeah, literally. <laughs> um, but I thanks think to Manscaped Riverscruits... for sponsoring
0: this uh, podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's always going to spit out his water. <laughs> Oh it, but it's just such a shame because the reverse grids would have been awesome to see. And like you say, if it's just going to be another example of the same guys in the top three getting even more points, the championship could be decided on a Saturday from them just like tootling around doing their, their sprint race or sprint qualifying or whatever they I'm want okay, to call it. it.
0: Tootling around, <laughs> they're not, they're not just you know, it's not a Sunday. I mean, it might be a Sunday drive sometimes. It, I, I
2: really this. think I've got a horrible Saturday feeling that it really is going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's just going to be the same lot that, um, start however they qualify, however they start, it's just going to be the same result. Nobody's going to want to risk it in case they do damage to their car that's going to yeah. re- affect them in the result on Sunday.
0: That's another point, <laughs> isn't it? You know, if they have a crash on Saturday trying to get three points. And exactly. They, you know, they can't repair their
1: cars. They'll be so safe with overtakes and stuff. Like, you're not it's, gonna dive oh, bomb someone into turn one.
0: Reverse grids. I it's know you're rushed. not gonna
1: dive some like dive bomb someone into turn one when there's literally no point on I awesome. want
0: to see George Russell on pole. That's it. Well, that surely the whole
1: point is they looked at Monza when Gasly and Sainz were leading and how exciting it was having different people at the front. And instead of gone, let's have. A Hambot Ver race,
0: but shorter. <laughs> how long is the race going to be? Do we Probably know? about forty-five I minutes. Forty minutes, something like that. Forty-five minutes. I love it. So not even. 45, I love it's forty-five minutes for three points, and yet it's an hour and a half for twenty-five.
2: And yet, F one are going. Oh, we want to be really sustainable, so we're going to put on another forty-five minute race. Okay, then. That's, yeah, that I makes guess
0: sense. Right. That's But really pra- I guess there's less practice, isn't there? So yeah, that's how, they've, that's how they.
2: Yeah. Guess,
1: and this weigh is this is me complaining that there'll be less practice that's how much i think they've bottled this and not done it right that even with less practice i'm like what are you doing and then the the first race will be an absolute banger and we'll all be like
0: sorry no but the thing Uh, is the sprint (laughs) races are just going to be an extra practice session for a lot of the teams because they're not going to score points if they're not at the top three so it's just like they're just going to toodle around and they're not going to bother pushing are they or even going for anything they'll just Oh, I don't know. I, f- I feel like it's going to be a disaster if that format is the way to go. If it was like 10, 8, 6, 4, 3, 2, 1 or whatever and there was actually something on the line and it's reverse grids, you've got an absolute worldie on your yeah. hands because they'd actually risk it for these points. But, ah, oh, screw it. It's uh, clearly Formula 1, better than we do. They don't. They, they need to listen to the fans. We're, we're <laughs> angry right now. Okay. Uh, Zeta Zalazar, what are your takes on the possible sprint race on Saturday, British Grand Prix? So British Grand Prix, Saturday the actual format itself isn't it friday is practice and qualifying saturday mm-hmm. is the sprint race and then sunday is the race yes so there's so that, the it just i feel like Saturday. so friday is qualifying for the sunday race or the saturday saturday race and so when's when oh, no, sorry
1: because yeah the the sprint race does decide the order i think of the sunday race no it doesn't does it
2: no, I don't think it does. I don't think it
1: does.
0: This is it. It's this all is up it. We at the moment. We don't know yet. Rubbish. Because, yeah, I've seen people say about qualifying being on the Friday. So it must be that the, the sprint race is three, two, one, and sets the qualifying order for Sunday. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't because you'd have nothing to race for. No, think. no, no, exactly. And then it would be a toodle around.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think they said, because we were calling it a sprint race. And I think they've said it's actually called sprint qualifying. So maybe yeah, it will be the yeah, qualifying it, 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 but... it has
0: to be. If not, then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll happily hold my hands up. But it must be. It, but It, it yeah. can't be the other yeah, way. Because otherwise it is... would be such a mess, wouldn't it? It wouldn't yeah, be exactly. worth anything.
1: And qualifying on a Friday, we've had this problem. We, we spoke about it during some of the that time whens we've done where they've done this before, where they did qualifying where it was – I think Sunday morning, or once they did the aggregate qualifying, where the first session was on a Friday, and people work on a Friday, people yeah. are work, like people don't get to watch it, and you're just it's very odd to take that away from. You would think like to have Friday, quite an important session. Saturday
0: sprint race qualifying and Saturday sprint race, wouldn't you like the qualifying for the sprint race on the same day as the actual mm. race itself? I don't know because I guess their Friday... thinking behind it is. Well, no, more one, reason to go no one watches
1: Friday, yeah. um, but but if there's actually qualifying, there's something exciting where it means something on a Friday. But so people,
0: you, as you say, won't be able to watch won't it. Won't be it's able to watch they're, it. they're out there at work. I, I don't know. It's, it's a massive topic of conversation, and, of course, we're kind of running on rumours and things. It hasn't been fully confirmed, but it does seem like the way we're talking about is the most likely way that Formula 1 are going to go about it. So. Interesting, and we got a little bit confused there, but I think we've we've managed to, to iron it out as uh, it is quite a confusing thing to talk about. Um, well, unless uh, Tommy and Katie, actually, Tommy, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Um, F1, please never have a three week break again after the opening round.
0: Fair, I think it was more COVID, uh, reliant on that, wasn't it? Yeah, the of there was cancellations and things like that, and uh, they could have still done an outer potentially, but I guess again, it depends on money and all that good stuff. Uh, so clearly there was a reason because I can't imagine they've looked at the calendar and gone, yes, three week calendar, uh, three, three week break. Sorry. That's what we want to do after the first race. I'm sure <laughs> it was something that they agreed on, but yeah, yeah no. uh, not very happy to. Katie, final thoughts.
2: Um,
0: you had a lot of time.
2: I did. Uh, I like Tommy's background. That's my final thought.
0: <laughs> okay. Fair. Um, yes. I also like Tommy's new office and the Alpha Tauri <laughs> colors, the Sonoda fanboy, uh, can we, can we turn the camera? Is it easy to turn the camera, Tommy, and show the uh, the stripe on your wall? Hopefully you haven't got, you know, underwear littered around your, your house. There you go. Although it looks...
2: Oh, nice. It yeah, looks black.
0: Looks, yeah, it looks black on, on my screen. Definitely isn't from what you've uh, posted on uh, on Instagram. But uh, yeah. there you go. Right. So that there's our kind of filler podcast. If you made it to the end, I'm very, very Thank proud you. of you. Uh, we will be back to full Formula One hype from next weekend, of course. Uh, we'll be back with uh, qualifying watch along as well which is very exciting. Uh, please make sure to, to check out Manscaped, uh, who has sponsored the podcast. And uh, Katie did a great nuts thing, which uh, thank you so much for that tie-in. Sponsoring and, Katie's uh, metaphorical nuts. Uh, yeah, Katie <laughs> probably didn't even realize that it was actually uh, it was, it was Manscaped. But anyway, uh, we are done. Give us five stars. Give us a thumbs up, please. And uh, we'll be back for some more content next week, I'm sure. Internet's best reactions, of course, to Imola. We've got another video in the pipeline going out in a couple of days. Uh, all sorts of stuff to so subscribe if you're new. Peace. Bye, Tommy. Bye, Katie. Take care. Adios. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Bye. Bye, bye. 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 Bye.
2: Bye. 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 Bye.